this is Samantha Fish, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Tommy Shannon, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Enjoy. Hey, y'all, this is Clay Melton down in Houston, Texas, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Joe Bonamassa, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. very special 500th episode of the Iron City Rocks podcast, a journey we started back in 2009, and here we are 14 years later celebrating number 500, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 500, we do not disappoint a guest. Uh, we're very excited to bring you Mr. Joe Bonamassa. will be joining us to talk about his latest live album, a new management company he's starting with his business partner, Roy. And also a live show he'll be doing on March 1st at the Benetton Center. So we'll have plenty to talk about with Joe. Also going to introduce you to Clay Melton, an amazing uh, blues rock guitarist out of Texas. So we'll get to Clay in just a little while. Joe will be releasing on April 14th a live album which was recorded at Red Rocks called Tales of Time. It features uh, primarily the music from the album Time Clocks, Joe's latest studio, studio album. Uh, and then we also talked to him about a management endeavor uh, that he and his partner Roy of JR Adventures are setting up. And all about uh, the show that he's going to be doing here, the tour coming up, and uh, the millions of irons that Joe Bonamassa constantly has in the fire. So, without further ado, we're going to play you a little of the latest single from that live recording. This is a Mind's Eye. We're taking in that interview with Joe Bonamassa. City Rocks we have on the line, Mr. Joe Bonamassa. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You're going to be making your way into Pittsburgh to do a show on the 1st of March at the Benetton Center. Uh, it seems like not too many marches go by without you rolling into town with the band. Uh, and, and you also just dropped news of a, a new live recording. Do you want to talk a little bit about the live record? Obviously, an, another great package from the Red Rocks amphitheater uh do you want to talk a little bit about that night and, and memories of that yeah you know the, the 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 you know the the dvd at red rocks this time around we learned from the first one in 2014 is um the 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 that uh we had these gigantic screens on that tour like this it was a whole semi-truck full of screens and content you know because not only do you have to 
you know, it can bring all the screens you want. I mean, put put ESPN on them, but um, the the, re- the reality is, is like you gotta you gotta fill up content. We had sure. all these videos made with, and we learned in 2014 because we we go on fastidiously at eight o'clock. You could set yeah. your watch to my show. Right? We you know we don't hold the show for anything. And if we have to hold five minutes, it's because something went wrong. Um, and that's, that's only happened maybe 15 times in my life, um, out of the thousands of gigs. And the thing about playing the Red Rocks in the summer, eight o'clock, it's still light out. It doesn't get dark till about quarter to nine. So this DVD that you're seeing starts with a song called Notches. And Notches is the first song off of Time Clocks, which is the, the, the record that, that we, we were, we were doing with the screen. And our first song of the DVD happened about 8.45. So we played the quote unquote hit before. Right. Um, before we got into the DVD. So the, the show itself starts about an hour in because my theory was, is like, well, why, why do we want to blow off fireworks during the day? You gotta wait exactly. till it's dark. And uh, that was that was pretty much how we we, we we did it, and then we played the entire record time clock, uh, 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 you know, from from start to finish, and, and it was great, and it, and it came out great, and um, everything worked, and uh, you know, it, it's I think it's going to be good for people to see, um, you know, it's uh, definitely our most, uh, 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 you know, uh, it's the largest production we ever rolled with, you know, I mean, it was big big production, a lot of lights. And, you know, it, it looks great because the album, the material on the album really, um, really uh, uh, you know, uh, needed a visual aspect of it. it, was, it was, you know, the, the, the album Time Clock itself really was our most adventurous studio album to date. And we really dug deep into the arrangements. We really dug deep into to making the most out of songs. And because radio never played me in 25 years, I figured, well, they're, they're not going to start playing me now. So let's make every song six minutes long. Who cares? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, you know, nothing, not, nothing. Got, when you got nothing to lose, you just go, you know, it's like, well, well the radio's not going to play these. They're, they're too long to be single. Like, well, they never played the other 13 albums. So sure. who cares? Does that make it a little bit easier for you as an artist when, you know, not to say that there aren't hits, but, but I mean, you have songs that I think your fans, you know, know and love, and, and yeah. but, but everybody kind of has their own. It's it's almost like, you know, Warren Haynes. You don't necessarily have a, a favorite Warren Haynes song because there's so many good ones. That It gives you the luxury to be able to play an, a brand new album start to finish where, you know, if you were a, you know, hit machine that that a lot of those artists don't have that luxury to be able to go out and play, you know, a full new album. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have they have to play the, you know, I know I have a, a lot of friends that have the the, the coveted jukebox set, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And they got 12 songs that they got to play or else there there literally be a revolt in the audience. And I you know, it it makes it easier because I can I can be more adventurous with a set list. I mean, like one night, I'm like, like some nights I'll be like, I just want to play the blues. Let's play, let's mm-hmm. play, play some blues. Okay, play the blues, and and the fans love it. As long as we hit, by the end we hit a, we, we got to play the four or five tunes that I'm right. famous for, you know, that mm-hmm. in my community. And um, and then some nights we'll be like, I want to play a rock show, or some nights we'll play a little bit of both. And and you know, I I, I like I like that freedom 
to just be able to just do whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I can say as, as a fan, I, I, there isn't really a song that I would walk away and say, you know, if he didn't play this one song, I would be irate. And then that's well, the a compliment. Is, is, yeah, the other thing, is too, is as you get older, like, I still sing just, a, just as high as, as I did, maybe a little bit higher than I, than I used to when I was a mm-hmm. kid singing. But, you know, there's a couple of songs that on record, you know, we moved the key down a half step because I got to, I, I got to, I got to, go out there and sing a hundred songs a week, Sure, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of bands that have those, those big hits and those keys, they sung those things when they were 25, Yeah, you know, and now they're 60 and it, it you, you still have to hit the notes. I mean, there's, 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 the, there's the, the exceptions like Paul Rogers and Paul McCartney and like that, that still sing in those ranges and they're, you know, they're in the seventies, but, but, not many people can do that, and and you know, so that having the luxury of, of of being able to like, okay, let's move the key down. Nobody will know, it, you know. Yeah, and kudos for admitting it. I mean, so many people try to hide behind that, you know. And, you know, they they they'll rather roll out tapes than, you know, admit that they, you know, you know, I can't sing as high as I did in 1986. Well, there's no crime in that, you know. Most humans. No, and and you know. It, I always I always laugh because the the internet trolls they'll, they'll, the 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 default is they'll call you a boomer and I'm 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 Gen X okay I'm 45 yeah. right or 77 but the, you know that's the default okay boomer blah 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 and and I go you know it's gonna happen to you too mm-hmm. the one thing that one is powerless to stop is this Earth rotating every 365 days around the sun and then you get a year older. Aging yeah. is is not you know it, I, there's no time there's there's I don't believe people time out I think artists as they they do they grow older find a richness in their voice that they didn't have when they were in their twenties yeah. and the the, the ten thousand hours on stage gives them a presence that they didn't have yeah. you know and I think some artists get much better and more comfortable in themselves as they as they age so. This notion of having to hit all the notes that you did when you were 25, it, to me, doesn't really apply because, you know, and and to use, I'll 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 I will I will quit before I, um, there, there, the, the only the only thing that's on tape on, on our show is the intro song that that we walk right. out to a a, a a dark stage. That's the only that's you know I think we, uh, I, what have we been using? We've been using uh, Tom Petty's. The waiting is the hardest part. Okay, right. that's, that's what we walk out. That's the only thing that's on tape. The rest of it's completely live. Now I'll sing out of tune. I'll make, make make mistakes, but I think the fans appreciate that more than if it's just note perfect down to the down to the you know it it you know and it, to me it, it you know it 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 takes the live out of the live show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sometimes it's even distracting. I know I, I was at a show, and I won't mention the artist, but I spent about three songs trying to determine if it was real. Just you know, watching who was on mic, when the harmonies were, how good the harmony sounded, how fast the singer was dancing, you know, things like that. That you know, yeah, so and, and, you know, my, I see some things on TV, or I've seen stuff at festivals, and and okay, won't mention names, but. You go. The Beatles didn't sing that 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 in tune. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. you can't tell me 
you can't tell me that 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 you would shed those harmonies so tight that that not a single person's slightly sharp and flat. I mean, you know, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash never sang that, and they were spot on. Yeah, you know they mean? were it, as it, good it, as it gets. And what you do notice the difference between modern music and 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 records that were made pre Pro Tools is is you know you listen to some of your favorite songs from the seventies or singers and stuff like that. And some of it's a little pitchy, mm-hmm. you know, but now everything is so pro tools to death that there's not a single note on record that that's not in perfectly in tune. And you go, well, that's the technology work. You, you know what I mean? It's that's, that's not, you know, yeah, you know, but, but, some of your records, are, there's out of tune guitars, there's pitchy vocals, there's mistakes, you know, it's, that's what they did. You know, because they had eight tracks. Yeah, it, but it, it had a certain patina to it, maybe for lack of a better term, that I think gave character. Um, that, I think that, it makes you, but again, you know what I, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah. And, and and that's a bias. Like it's like, what makes you want to play a song over and over and over again? There's something that's connecting to you, you know, uh, physically, you know. And then there's certain songs you go, well, that's great, but I never want to hear it again. You, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's that's why I think classic music is classic for a reason it's just there's something about those those captures you know mm-hmm. and and here are the outtakes especially like a friend of mine played me the rolling Stones. Uh, 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 can you hear me knocking or whatever that song is it's like that legendary intro that Keith played in the open tuning and the, most of the outtakes it wasn't the same there was just that one magic one and be like that's it that's- you know and they probably did get take to the dance song and, and they were like, that's it. And, and they were able to recognize, okay, this is the one we're going to go with. And, and the rest is history. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it to me, it, it, you know, that's, that's, that's when you had time in the studio. You had months to make a record. Now you have hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with your schedule, I mean, between producing, touring, live albums, studio albums, mentoring, you know, musicians, I mean, is you know you have to spend a lot of time on buses kind of working out what you're going to do so when you hit that studio there's no dead time or or do you get chances to kind of experiment well i i i can uh i i can say this we over the years we've really spent a lot more time on Mm pre-production meaning that we'll spend like we just recorded a solo record that's yet untitled um it it's uh we spent a lot of time on pre-production. We spent 10 days wood shedding the songs. Mm-hmm. We made very sophisticated that a lot of those parts ended up on the record. We actually made the demos like we were making the record and then we recorded the record. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 then we, we went into you know, Nashville and knocked out the entire record, full vocals, everything in five days. Well, it's because we were prepared. You know yeah. what I mean? It was a lot longer if we just came in with a, you know, an iPhone voice memo demo of it, we'd be like, okay, how do we want this to feel? We, we, we worked that out ahead of time, which I, I, I actually like the way it works. It, it, it's more of a guaranteed outcome, you know, because sometimes you write a song, you're like, this thing's going to kill. And then and you get in the studio, it's like, man, this is just not working. I don't know why it's just not working. And, um, you know, it, it, this, this way, the guarantee, you know, win, lose, or draw, it's it a guaranteed outcome. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point. I, I was just reading, I think it was in Bono's book about 
you know, the recording of Octane Baby where they didn't even have complete songs when they went in the studio. And I can't imagine with a time frame that you keep that that would be insanely stressful to try to Very, write, yeah. a, you know, as you're recording while the dollar signs are rolling, you know, uh, on the meter. It's not really that. It's, it's when you're when you're trying to work stuff out in the band there, just sitting around waiting. Yeah. That to me is very, very stressful. It's like I, I like to I like to have my stuff tight. You know what I mean? Like this is it. Mm-hmm. This is this is the part. And of course, there's the X factor. Hey, well, let's try it this way. Or you know what? That's not working. Add four bars to this chorus, or mm-hmm. you know, put a stop here. No, those are the that's the salt and pepper. You know, but you know, I I don't want to go in without you know you know chicken in a veg. You know what I mean? I need, yeah. I, need I I we need we need something real. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, for this upcoming tour, uh, um, are you touring with roughly the same musicians you did the Red Rock show with, or, or how does the touring yeah, band? It's, it's, it's the same band. It's the okay. seven piece. You know, Calvin Lamar, Reed, uh, Josh Smith on guitar, Danny and uh, Jay on vocals. So, so they're so we're. Um, any chance some of that new as yet untitled music will make it into the set, or is that more of a sound check kind of stuff at this point? I think we're going we'll, we'll, probably not. You know, I used to like to play the stuff before we recorded it. You mm-hmm. know, that was always yeah. the fun. That was now I'm showing my age. Where now it's like everybody's got a, you know they you know, fans hear something new they got a camera out yeah. you know and then and then next like here's a new song and you're like well we haven't even recorded the record yet you yeah. know so. For, yeah. for for what's left of the recorded music business, you kind of have to keep things tight to the vest before you, but before you 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 unveil it live because it it it's you know from 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 their ears to Instagram almost simultaneously. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're on 15 websites within an hour with your new single, and you don't even get a chance to do a lyric video or something, you know, to do that. No, and, and and a lot of times too. I mean, like. You know, guitar world or, or, or the, 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 the music trades will, will pick it up. Going, here's a new song. You're like, uh, probably shouldn't be out there. Right now. So, yeah. you know, we we generally start playing the the new stuff about a month or so before it comes out. You know, because at that point the the, the album's already the, the album's already announced. Yeah, or some sometimes unfortunately even leaked. So that's it's yeah it's. It's good. Um, as far as is the set list, will, will this one, will the, you know, this string of dates still kind of focus around the Time Clocks album? Yeah, we have we have plenty of stuff from Time Clocks in the, in the show. I, I, you know, the, the the great thing about this band is we we really worked hard last year um, between the summer and the fall, and we got we have a sixty song book. So there's nights where really, you know Josh and I will will talk before and be like, hey. Play, let's just play, let's play some blues tonight. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll pull stuff out from the thing. We'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pull stuff out from, from our past and then we'll just have, you know, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just have a different show, you know, and that's a good thing. Like we were talking about, just not being pinned to hits, you yeah. know? Yeah, that is, that is a great way to do it. Is, is it somewhat, um, and you, I mean, you've you've worked with other guitarists, obviously, in the band at different points, and and you know, with with some of your live performances, but having someone yeah. there permanently, you know, kind of in that spot, is that somewhat helpful to you as a singer to be able to kind of rely on on another guy to help hold that down? Yeah, it 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 it, it extends the bandwidth, you know, um, it it 
it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, having covering parts that I would have had to cover or mm-hmm. kind of, kind of, or not. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, and and just having the ability to just grab the guitar, you know, put it on the, you know, grab the neck of the guitar, and not play, sing the verse. And then, you know, it, 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 I think dynamically opens us up to, to better stuff anyway. Yeah. Now, you also kind of announced a venture with the Journeymen. Can you just talk a little bit about what that that project or business, I should say, is? Well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a label that, you know, we only have selected artists on there, like Joanne Shaw Taylor. And, and th- that's a that's a that's a venture that aims to prove what we've proven for the last 20 years is that the vertical integration is pretty much the only way to really monetize the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless, unless you're one of the chosen one that, that, you know, are, you know, have the full support of the industry and you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, it, it, it takes the agent off the table, takes the live nation off the table, takes, you know, er- everything but Ticketmaster off the table. We still use right. Ticketmaster because, because, like them or not, they they sell tickets. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, it, everybody has an opinion about the fees and the and the gouging and and secondary markets. You know, it's you know, I mean, everybody from myself to Bruce Springsteen uh, get blamed for. Well, I just looked up online and your your front row tickets to your show in Pittsburgh are are six hundred eighty dollars. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you six hundred eighty dollars if you can show me a ticket that says six hundred eighty dollars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean. And those are not our those are not face value, you know. So, you know, they really need to have a mea culpa and and a come to Jesus about about the second the tertiary markets and yeah. and 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 just the the amount of extra fees and percentages of fees that that only they participate in. But I will say this: a difference between a non-ticketmaster venue and a ticketmaster venue is is it goes from an easy sellout to 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 waiting. Two weeks before, and then and trying to sell the last twenty percent. Yeah. I, I, I know the bit, you know. Yeah, I think there's a lot behind the curtain that, that people don't necessarily understand. Um, you know, and perception sometimes is everything. So it's, it's down to the art because they're 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 given an offer, you know, to play a show. They play a show. They take the money. And they move on. You know. They don't, they don't, a lot of people are not looking at the fine print going, you know, cave, you know, the big tray, you know, that, that was in catering and the, 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 the Doritos and Diet Coke, you know, why did we get charged $2,500 for that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's so many extra costs that are, that are put into a show, rent caps and staffing and stuff like that. And if you don't know what the real cost of that is, you know, right. then you're 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 in line to, you know, get a haircut. Exactly. Well, Joe, I I, I know you've got a busy schedule. I don't want to keep you again. March first, Benetton Center. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you as always, and I appreciate your time so much. No problem, man. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. All right, again, a very special thank you to Mr. Joe Bonamassa. Great to catch up with him. Had an opportunity to interview him a few years ago, actually right before the pandemic in 2020. Uh, It was just to the point where we were starting to shut down shows. Interviewed him for Guitar World, uh, but was not able to bring that to you. So it was great to have an opportunity to bring an interview to you, the listeners. Uh, 
And again, the album will be out April 14th. You can check that out, Tales of Time, DVD, CD, Blu-ray, and also March 1st, Benetton Center. If you're still listening to this and haven't bought tickets and have any interest in going, pause the show, buy the tickets, and then come back, please. We're going to turn our attention now to a great blues rock guitarist uh, discovered out of um, Texas, actually out of Houston, Texas, Clay Melton had an opportunity to catch up with him and talk about his forthcoming album. He's releasing a single live on The Wire on February 24th. And uh, this is going to go towards his forthcoming album. We talked to him about his live album, about the music scene in Houston versus the music scene in Austin. Kind of the the weight of Texas guitar legends and, and how that uh, kind of enters into the psyche of young guitarists in, in the Texas area, you know, with the weight of Billy Gibbons and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimmy Vaughan and the amazing musicians that have come out of Texas. So Clay was uh, kind enough to chat with us for a while about that and his career. So without further ado, Mr. Clay Melton.
Clay Melton. How you doing, Clay? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Had an opportunity to catch uh, your newest music, uh, and really the the song "Alive on a Wire," which uh, is going to be coming out here in just a couple days, um, and was really excited to um, get a chance to talk to you because of the music you're making. I think combines a, a lot of things that that. I love about music personally, you know, this fiery guitar and, and you kind of a a voice that I think really is unique uh, to your playing. Um, you grew up in Louisiana, or how, what age did you move to Texas? And, and I guess maybe speak to how that affected you as a musician making that transition to Texas. Yeah, I was uh, born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and uh, you know my family moved around a couple times, but. Uh, moved over here, I think, when I was seven, and uh, and then stayed. And so we've been over here, you know, most of my childhood. I grew up here in Houston, Texas, but uh, I've always been very, you know, influenced and interested and a lover of just a lot of music that came out of Louisiana and you know New Orleans funk and all those blues and R&B styles. And then you know in Texas. You got all that comes with living in Texas, Stevie Ray, and all the great blues players out of Houston as well. So that that actually leads to kind of one of my questions. I think when people think, okay, here's a musician who moved to Texas, I would have bet the farm that you were in Austin. But can you talk a little bit about what Houston is like musically compared to 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 Austin? Yeah, you know, I mean. Houston's got a lot to offer. It, it always has. I mean, it has a rich blues history. Um, you know, I mean, John Lee Hooker and, I mean, there's loads of great players coming out of uh, Houston for, you know, decades. And <clears throat> Austin's, you know, known as the live music capital of the world. And while, you know, it's certainly true, there's a huge concentration of great, great acts in Austin uh, you know, there's something about Houston, I think, just having maybe a little bit smaller um, geographically mm-hmm. speaking as far as, um, you know, where music is happening, smaller area, um, kind of makes that concentration just different, you know, and its own thing. And, you know, I grew up playing in a lot of uh, blues open mics here with, um, you know, great players that are playing around the country and uh, places like Dan Electro's and uh, Lots of Concert Cafe and I had a lot of great mentors growing up in that scene, and uh, they were very welcoming. I think the Houston scene is very fostering to, you know, musicians that are learning and, uh, you know, at all stages of their, you know, learning their instruments and being performers. Now, as a musician, you're, you're a relatively young man, and a lot of the artists that you mentioned by name are, are significantly older than you. Was that something that... that you know, what was your introduction to, you know, because Austin, you know, when you think of it in the 1980s, you thought of, you know, the fabulous Thunderbirds and, and Stevie Ray Vaughan and ZZ Top, who were all over the airwaves. So, you know, I think kids may have gravitated to the blues, but you grew up in an era that, that really was void of, not totally void, but, you know, certainly wasn't getting spun on classic rock FM, you know, the John Lee Hookers and stuff. Was, was there something that kind of drew you into the blues? Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, what made me fall in love with guitar and the idea of trying to learn was hearing Jimi Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower. 
or his version of. <clears throat> and uh, and that just really captured me so much. I fell in love with Hendrix and his music. And before then, a lot of my introduction to music, before that point, I was, I was 10 when I heard that song mm-hmm. and was really interested in the guitar. But before that, I had a, you know, a suitcase that belonged to my dad. Um, he gave to me with all of his old cassettes. And there was a lot of classic rock, um, a lot of, uh, you know, some Texas country mm-hmm. um, and, you know, stuff that um, I really, like you say, I wouldn't have heard otherwise. And so I, I was really, I, I was into that, into those older styles already. And then once I heard Hendrix, I got so heavy into him and heard him talking about influences and, you know, and songs that he would do of uh, artists that influenced him. And so that's kind of how I backtracked and found my way into the blues you know it's kind of going back through his history and influences the same with uh steve ray vaughn when i'd gotten to him you know <clears throat> like most guitarists and especially guitarists out of texas you know i fell in love and and he he has a lot of interviews out there you know where he speaks up op- uh, pretty uh, clearly about his influences and who he's listening to and so that gave me some direction and to just dive in and and I was not listening to what was popular, you know, mm-hmm. when I was uh, in school, you know, I, in middle school, I was you know, listening to blues and classic rock and Zeppelin and, you know, um, all, all that good stuff. And it was not what was popular at the time, but sure. it's, it's all fascinated me. Yeah, it, it's funny. You think when you look at, you know, young people of that era, Led Zeppelin was, was certainly a fashion choice. You know, everyone had a, a Led Zeppelin shirt, but how many people, you know, could tell you about how many more times or, you know, certain songs? So it's interesting to hear that perspective because, I mean, you're young enough that, uh, you know, when I think of what was on the radio when you would have been in those kind of formative teen years, of, you know, there's a better chance you would have been in a boy band than in a, in a blues band. Um, right. So as, as a singer, where did you kind of, did you develop the singing side of your your musicianship kind of after the guitar or did you always kind of set out to be that you know hendrix sort of i'm going to sing and play you know power trio kind of thing was that your goal from day one or was the the singing something that came by necessity because you couldn't find a singer i i always like enjoyed singing you know even before i was playing guitar but i wasn't a born singer at all Mm. by any means and so my uh, learning how to sing was definitely following up the guitar. And that's because I, I wanted to sing these songs I was playing. I enjoyed it, but, um, you know, quickly learned that I, I, uh, didn't have control of my voice as an instrument. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and so that's something that I, I just kind of developed just because I, I wanted to be able to do it well. I wanted to be able to sing songs that I had written. I wanted to be able to perform them. You know, I, whenever I started playing with me and my buddy Kyle Tomchesson, who's uh, our tour manager nowadays, Mm-hmm. we would just you know i'd drive over or drive i'd ride over on my bike uh to his place with you know an amp on the handlebars and guitar on my back and he played drums and we jam in the garage you know and that's really about how i first started woodshedding and so i just wanted to sing what we were playing to but whenever it came time to like start playing out um i, I think i've always just enjoyed it so much that i got through those you know first you know, the, the 10,000 hours, as they say, just how, like, guitar had happened mm-hmm. um, in a different fashion. But, you know, I just kept knocking at it. And then there was a point where it felt like I finally had control over my voice, and then it became a different thing, more like an instrument to learn, right? Right. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting because you, you think about it. When someone picks up a guitar, there's a million books. You can walk into any bookstore and there's books on guitar. There's usually a guy down the street who's giving lessons. But when it comes to vocals, you know, not so much. You know, you don't, you know, you see, you know, people who want to be professional singers, and by that I mean in the theater or, or pop music, but you don't see a lot of, you know, come study with me and I'll teach you how to sing the blues kind of uh, lesson. So it was just curious. Um, and you've got such a unique voice, and I think that's one of the things that really lends itself to your playing is, you know, that kind of gravel in your voice, you know, which probably is maybe you've heard that a million times, but I think it really gives it a unique character that that kind of hooks you in. You know, the way Stevie Ray Vaughan, no one would say Stevie Ray Vaughan was, you know, a, a pure singer, but boy, you love to listen to him because of the, you know, his approach to it, the uniqueness of it. Um, which yeah, is, just soulful, you know, and yeah. feeling it. And, you know, and, and that's and that's really, I think, that's what got me through a lot of the early years where I know I wasn't quite doing what I wanted to be able to do on vocals. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to really do it and I'm going to feel it just the way, you know, it's just it's it's that thing that translates when you see any artist on stage really in mm-hmm. the zone and really just delivering it, you know, like Otis Redding. <laughs> yeah, just up there. Yeah. I'm just screaming. Now, as as an artist, you know your 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 market. You know when you think of you know potential people to listen to your music. I mean, there's certainly a an inherent, let's say, forty plus year old market that's going to listen to the blues it's because that generation grew up on that. But you know when you look at people your own age, younger, um, do you have to kind of as an artist think, okay, I'm going to do this a little bit different? than somebody would have 30 years ago when they were marketing the blues. You know, you've got TikTok and Instagram and, and all these different medias that never really existed or, and, and probably have been somewhat underutilized in this genre of music. Does that kind of cross your mind at all? Um, I wouldn't say it, it's a driver in the writing um, approach. Mm-hmm. It's at least in a, in uh, respects of I don't think we're when we're writing we're feeling we need to make the tip for a new generation right um, you know I mean like you could say that the guitar isn't in its most popular decade <laughs> uh, True. with the masses but there's still people of all ages and that's something on our last summer tour with the Bluestones and Dead Rocks right we were both guitar centric acts. Um, with a modern feel to their music, um, and they're definitely rock acts, but there's kids of all ages and, uh, you know, and obviously older fans of, of guitar and rock and roll at shows, but a lot of kids that, you know, are there and stoked to see a live band doing it on stage. And, you know, something that I've always enjoyed with, um, writing music and especially where we're, the group is now in our writing process is, you know, some most fun to me is, really blending the genres right yeah of rock and blues and and other things and and keeping it fresh in that way is exciting and i i i would hope you know as far as to what you're speaking to you know for these younger generations and how you know they receive music how they digest it and everything like that you know um maybe that has a has an edge for them yeah it's certainly it's a different 
era for musicians to to sort of market themselves, you know, because you've got a, you know, certain people, you know, can make, you know, gravitate, you know, to a very huge following on social media because of, you know, their personality outside of being a musician, and that certainly plays a factor in it. Um, but it it is a an interesting time, like you said, it's not the, you know, this isn't the high water mark for the for the love of guitar, but. There seems to be an ebb and flow to that. I mean, I probably would have said the same thing to a degree in the 90s. You know, there there was, you know, it was a little more guitar-centric, but, you know, hip-hop and, and R&B sort of dominated the charts more so. Um, so you never know how that's going to go. But as far as your music, you have a couple singles on the horizon. You've got a, a Live on a Wire. You've got Runner, which will be coming out in a few months. Um where are you in in the process of a full length album to follow up? Obviously, the phenomenal live record you did. Well, thank you. Um, we're we're in process of uh, recording it. You know, everything um, that we're putting out uh, that's kind of you know our first uh, releases since the live album. Um, our process now is we're doing everything here at my house in Houston, Texas. Um, recording drums in the living room and live on the wire was totally recorded here and then we're sending all our mixes off to our producer Sebastian Cure who lives down in Columbia and um, who we'd met uh, here in Texas before we moved back down there but um, so it's it's a very DIY process and and I love it you know we've had a lot of studio experiences that have been great you know uh, in the releases prior and I think all those experiences prepped us to be ready to do it on our own and it's great being able to take the time, but also to, you know, work a little uh, efficiently, um, you know, while not paying for studio time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but um, so that that's where we're at in the process right now is finishing the album through the rest of the year. We're basically going to be on the road, and then while we're off, we're uh, finishing cutting tracks and um, just getting everything right. Yeah, so you're going to be doing, uh, you've got a bunch of dates starting in, in April. I see you're headed up towards uh, Sellersville, PA, um, and, and going to be doing some shows along the East Coast for folks to check out. We'll include those dates on our site. Um, I see April 30th, got, you're playing at Daryl's House. That's got, or Daryl's House Club. That's got to be a, a certain, uh, a fun one. And, and doing some festivals and stuff so we look forward i'm sure before too long you'll be rolling in i know you were just here in 2022 doing a show at the thunderbird cafe so hopefully we'll see you before too long but uh i want to thank you for taking the time out of your day clay to to talk to us man i really appreciate you having me on all right a very special thank you to clay melton hopefully we'll have him back in pittsburgh before too long but if you're interested in his music you go to his website we'll have a link in the show notes got tour dates all up the east coast of the united states including two in pennsylvania that are just a bit of a drive if you really want to check that out but i'm sure we'll have him back before too long also extending a very big thank you to joe bonamassa for joining us and he will be in town on march 1st so as i said earlier if you haven't bought tickets and you didn't take my advice in the middle of the show please when you're done listening get your tickets and uh, i'd be a great night of rock here on March 1st, and then Tales of Time will be out April 14th. I want to thank you all so much for listening. This is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the 500th episode. It's been a lot of work over the last 14 years, but absolutely worth the effort. I've had the opportunity to talk to so many amazing musicians, so many amazing fans, uh, meet people at shows, 
it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor and uh, so deeply appreciate you taking the time to listen. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're at Iron City Rocks on all the social media platforms, so please join us. Ticket giveaways, concert announcements, music news, uh, tapped into some great uh, concert ads from the past we like to share on the anniversary of shows, anything you can think of. Um, and please reach out to us, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Give us some ideas, bands that we may not have known. I had no idea of Clay Melton until probably three or four weeks ago and had an opportunity uh, through chance, really, just to get to know his music and, and absolutely love it. So it's it's great to have people out there that know of artists that maybe we're overlooking. Reach out, tell us about it. We'd love to hear it. And until next time, to another 500 episodes, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>